Welcome, this is the Sales IQ Podcast. My name is Luigi Prestonenzi, and I'm on a mission to help salespeople be the best sales professionals they can be. Each week, we'll bring you a different message from thought leaders from around the globe, so we can help you master the art of selling. Welcome to another episode of the Sales IQ Podcast. I'm your host, Luigi Prestonenzi, and as always, I'm pumped and excited that you've joined us for what will be an incredible episode. This week, we're joined by the energetic, the passionate, and somewhat controversial Keenan, sales author and sales extraordinaire of Gap Selling. Before we get into this topic, I want to just talk about last week's episode. We were joined by Mike Weinberg, and wow, did he bring it. That episode has gone crazy. I've been getting notes, uh, messages, emails, phone calls about you know what Mike shared with regards to sales truths. And I just want to spend, you know, 30 seconds talking about that particular episode. And I think the reason why it's created so much uh, energy and excitement from our audience is that Mike spoke about some of the real challenges that are impacting sales professionals today. We're faced with a, you know, a pipeline epidemic where our pipelines are not getting enough lead nutrition. And as a result, they're they're, they're starving. They're empty. 50% of salespeople are not meeting target. And what Mike shared with us was some of the reasons, some of the truths that needed to be said. And, you know, if you haven't listened to that episode, I would go back and listen to it because, you know, what Mike shared is incredible. I took a lot out of it. I know that, you know, our listeners took a lot out of it. So it's been really great to hear that feedback um, from our audience. Now, this week is going to be even better. Keenan is the man and the reason why I like him. And you can look, you either like him or you hate him. There's no in between with Keenan. And he doesn't care if you don't like him. And he says that. Out of all the people in the world, if a couple of people don't like me, that's okay. But the message that he talks about is something that really resonates with me. And I'll tell you why. So, you know, sales is actually a really simple thing. We talk to people, we identify a need, and we help them achieve something better. But often what we tend to do is we talk to a customer and we tell them about us. We talk about our company. We talk about our logos. We talk about, you know, what we do. And really, the customer does not care about you. The customer only cares about how he or she will benefit from the solution that you offer. More importantly, they only care about the problem that you help them solve. And that's what Keenan is all about. Focus on the problem. Focus on the gap. So in this episode, we're going to talk about what is gap selling and what can you do to help customers identify that gap Because ultimately, if you do that, you'll have a better chance of closing more deals. So as always, before we get into it, if you like this show, if you like any of our previous shows, please continue to rate us, share it with your friends. Also, send me the note. I got a brilliant message the other day from someone that absolutely hated the show. And why was it brilliant? Because it gave me a bit of insight into what I needed to do to improve. And just like any sales professional out there, that every type of feedback is awesome feedback. So please share with me what you like, what you don't like, and what we can do to improve, and also some of the topics that you'd like us to cover moving forward. So guys, without you know further wait, I would love to introduce Keenan to the Sales IQ podcast and hope you enjoyed it just as much as I did. All right, so um, I'm excited, I'm thrilled to have one of my favorite authors, and someone that's helped me be a better sales professional. So welcome to the show, Keenan. 
What's up, my man? Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, mate, it's our pleasure. We are we're excited. Um, your content, as I said to you before we started the show, your content really connects with me, mate. So I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to join um, us on the Sales IQ podcast. Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. Awesome, man. So before we get into this session about you know tips to help us close more sales, um, love to understand a bit more about you and how you started in the world of sales. Oh my gosh, it's always a big question everybody asks me. And yeah. look, I, I start. I look at starting my my career in sales when I was a kid, right? I mean, I was just a natural salesperson. I because look, let's keep it real. Being a salesperson is being an influencer. Yep. Do not confuse the two. Just because you get paid to sell, it doesn't mean that it's something different. Selling is being an influencer, and I learned really early in life that if you can influence people, you had power. If you had power, you, there's a lot you could do. Well, let's do it. If you could influence people, you had control. And if you had control, you had power. Yeah. So I learned that really on and started honing, those, honing that craft unbeknownst to myself since I was about, oh, I'm going to say my earliest recollection was probably when I was in, when I was 10 or 9, yeah. earliest recollection. And then it just grew from there. Wow. And – I've heard you talk like about your days and, and maybe not all these listeners will uh, know about this, but uh, you're a model um, a few years back. Is that correct? Yes. In, uh, during the 90s, most of the 90s, I started in 92 and pretty much wrapped up around, I guess, 97, 98. So yeah, for most of the 90s. Yeah. And what did that teach you about selling? Nothing. <laughs> Actually... It didn't teach me a damn thing about selling. And it actually, I mean, other than the fact that, you know, look, I was never going to be a supermodel. I mean, I made some good money and I met some great people and the lifestyle was awesome. But um, uh, it didn't teach me a damn thing. As a matter of fact, I, I wouldn't recommend anybody get into it because <laughs> as much as they want to tell you it's a meritocracy, it's not a meritocracy. And it's 100% subjective and you have almost very little influence. Like the only influence you have is you keep shooting. It's, 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 it's called you got to keep shooting and, and, and do tests and you just shoot, shoot, shoot and try to improve your book. And then when you get a gig, hopefully it's a good gig and you can put that in your book. And one person can think you're most amazing. And the other person's like, I'm not even interested. And so it didn't teach me a damn thing about selling because you really weren't given a chance to influence yep. the, the buyers or the decision makers. Okay. So a big part of, uh, of your, your, you know, your focus when it comes to selling is that influence piece and, and driving value. It's everything. It's yeah. everything. Your job as a salesperson to influence. If people don't let you influence one to one, then it's marketing. So I would argue in, argue in many ways, you know, in the modeling, if I learned anything, it's, it was it, that modeling is about marketing. And so therefore, I wasn't a marketer. I was a salesperson. So I, yeah. I didn't do as good a job of marketing myself as I did trying to sell myself. Yeah, interesting. And then you just really can't sell yourself. Yeah. So that's an interesting topic, right? And especially, I think, you know, in the world that salespeople are finding themselves in, where they've be, they continued you know, they're told that you've got to put your brand out there, you've got to attract, you've got to use social as a means to start the conversation. Um, you know, you talk about marketing and sales. How about, because there is now starting to be a bit of a crossover. Oh, God. Can you just break that down further and say, as a sales professional, you know, what is the definition of sales versus marketing? For me, it's easy. And, I, and for me, it's really easy. Marketing is one to many. And you don't get to actually engage or ask questions of that person, right? Yeah. It's one to many of the, of the actual buyer. You can engage with a buying group and you, if you want to do studies or if you want to do research briefs or if you want to do, um, 
research studies with people put in a room and you ask a handful of people questions, right? That's all marketing. But at the end of the day, when you get all their answers and you put your product out there or you market, you don't get to talk to them when they're standing at the, at the, in the grocery aisle ready to pick up Heinz ketchup versus, I don't even know who the other one is, gets Hunt's. You don't get to talk to them and ask a few questions and say, oh, well, understanding all that, you should go with the Heinz. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. You, no, so that's marketing. One to many and you don't get the one-on-one relationships to influence the sale. Sale is one-to-one and you actually have the ability to influence the conversation and engage with that buyer, one buyer at a time. That's the difference. Yeah. Great answer, man. Thank you. And where, where did the inspiration come for you to write Gap Selling? Um, oh, God. So I don't want to burst anybody's bubble, but there was no inspiration I knew that I, I had, look, I'd wrote, written my first book called Not Taught, which was in many ways I enjoy more than gap selling, even though it didn't do as well because it's a life book. And I know some, some thought leaders out there today who read this, did what I told them to do, and now you all know who they are, but wouldn't have if they didn't write the book. So that's a huge, like, yeah. makes me feel really good and warm and fuzzy inside. Um, but um, um, it, I knew that I wanted to scale my business. I knew I wanted to reach more people, but I was not going to write a book that was like everybody's else, like everybody else. I was not going to write a book that, um, um, how do I say this? That was just going to be the same rehash bullshit. And yeah. I had a client and he had asked me to train some of his people. And I was like, oh, I don't have a training. And he goes, well, you're telling him all this stuff in our pipeline meetings. You're telling him all this stuff in our, in our um, uh, one-on-ones and our deal, deal strategies. Why don't you just, you know, put some together and at least train them in this stuff. And I was like, all right. So I sat down and I created the uh, uh, one day training, if you will. And as I was going through it, it all started coming to me like, oh, this is it. And so I took all the stuff that I've been teaching and, and not teaching, but had been sharing with folks one-on-one and trainings and all that stuff. I was like, oh, here's something here. And so that's where it came from. And then once I got that done, I'm like, I can make this a book. Once I had the yeah. framework, then I was like, ah, there's my book. Yeah. And so it just took coming up with the framework first. And, and a framework that you, you've essentially been implementing as a sales, as a sales pro, right? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, taken years, it's taken years and years of honing it and crafting it and, and more importantly, labeling what it is I was doing or what it is I saw successful people do. Look, look, I don't want to burst everybody's bubble, but sometimes it's not the smartest people that write the best books or, or the most talented people. It's sometimes just those who use the right vernacular and coin the right phrases and actually give names in order to things, yeah. right? So, you know, um, I don't think everybody sells in the gap manner, but, you know, just putting a name to certain things like, hey, guys, look, the current state, look at this is a very specific thing. It's different than the future state. Oh, yeah, <laughs> right? Some people may have been selling to that interchangeably, never really gave it a word and didn't know what they were doing. But the minute I was like, look, if you take what you're doing and this is this and this is that, you look at it this way, you could do it better. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, this is obviously when you say experience, it's been, has it been something where the value or because you weren't implementing, you know, parts of Gap, I mean, did that sort of inspire you to go, shit, I've got to, ref- I've got to look back at what I'm doing and maybe I'm not doing the way that I could be doing, so I've got to craft something better. Um, no, no, I think it was iterative, right? So yeah. I think that my own selling career, as I would get better and better, I was like, ooh, that didn't work, what happened? And I, and I would make a change and improve upon it. And then I, as I got into management and um, paid attention, I'd watch other salespeople and be like, hey, what's this? And like, I don't know, I'm like, well, go get that. 
and I didn't know I, again I didn't give it a label it just it was a it was a one-off type yep. of thing and I'd see it more and more and then as I got the consulting business which started about eight and a half years ago <clears throat> I was spending massive amounts of time with sales organizations in pipeline meetings in deal strategy meetings listening to them on the phone all on calls with them listening to the management team and it you know and I'd start crafting these things that's having words and use them over and over like one of the big things that that I, I remember vividly to labeling um, in my consulting was I had a particular client who all the salespeople kept, I say, what's the problem? And they kept telling me the problem and was, it, bear with me, they kept saying, they have disparate systems. While well, sitting in these pipeline meetings for like two, like a month, month and a half, week after week, and every customer was always, well, the, the problem is they have a disparate systems. And I was like, fuck this, what do you mean? I'm tired of disparate <laughs> systems. This has told me a goddamn thing. Yeah. And so once I said, well, what does it matter they have disparate systems? And they said, well, it doesn't allow them to do this. What happens if they can't do that? And then they started getting into business problems. Like, ah, that's the problem. Yeah, yeah. And so that helped me discover the difference between technical problems, which is disparate systems, and business problems, which is the inability to, to drive a certain amount of revenue, the inability to enter new markets, the inability to market to certain people. Hmm. Those are business problems. You see what I'm saying? Yep. So that's just an example. So I made a note, wrote that shit down, and I started writing all these things down and started giving them names. And then I, when I opened up my little book or opened up my blog, I was like, ah, there it is. There's all the stuff I need. I've been laying it on a piece of paper, sort of like those old crime movies where they put all that shit on the wall, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then start drawing lines and stuff to it, like, boom, there it is. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of how it went down. And you know, man, like, uh, uh, this is what I love, right, is that the primary rule the number one rule from a gap selling perspective is that it's never about you. Yep. And I want you know, and this is something that you know, in my role, I coach hundreds of salespeople, train, and one of the biggest challenges I, I I see from a you know a problem perspective, salespeople either lead in with them or they're talking about their company, right? Yep. Hey, can you help us? Because I love the way you articulate this message. Why is it never about you? Because it's not about you because they're not buying you and they're not actually buying your product. This is what we seem to forget. Look, I may, I may have a car right now and when I went to buy the car, the dealer, if he was like any other dealer or the salesman thought I was buying the car. No, yeah. I wasn't buying the car. I was buying potentially a more comfortable ride up to the mountains, a faster ride up to the mountains, um, I was buying maybe some status. Maybe I was buying um, some uh, economic savings. Maybe I was buying, um, oh, shoot. Uh, those are the only three I can think off the top of my head, right? So status, maybe I'm a single guy and, he's in, in, um, and I want something that's going to make me look good in front of the ladies. So I'm, not, I'm buying exposure and status for women or dates. Um, like I said, I go to the mountains a lot and I have three daughters and they're in competitive mo uh, mobile skiing. So maybe I want a fast, comfortable, safe ride up to the mountains. That's what I'm buying. Yeah. I'm not buying the car. If I could snap my finger here, let me tell you why people aren't buying the car. The minute, the minute autonomous cars come out and I can get one that will hold all my ski equipment, my daughters and I are not driving fucking to the mountains again. I'm sitting in a moving living room, talking with my girls, hanging out, eating, working, chilling, and I'm going to look up and we're going to be at our mountain house. Yeah. I don't want the car. I want the outcome. And that's what people just don't get. So when you're selling the car or you're selling you, you're not allowing the buyer to 
focused on the main thing, and that's the outcome. Yeah. It's the desired outcome. So when you sell you, you are actually creating blinders. You're actually creating a fog. You're actually creating a smoke screen that inhibits the buyer from actually seeing what they truly want, and you've got them focused on the wrong thing. Man, you're making me so passionate, brother, because I, I, I see... I work with an education company, right? And they they um, they provide education services such as you know diplomas, um, etc. And I keep saying, people don't buy education; they buy what education enables them to achieve. Amen. Whether it's a promotion, whether it's changing their career, whether it's getting into the workforce, and if we don't understand exactly what motivates them, what is motivating them to look, then we cannot tailor provide value and enable them to achieve success amen so and this is where your truth bombs come into it man and, and this is look i've heard a lot of truth bombs a lot of people out there that are that are you know promoting the truth bombs but you know there i think there's uh i think there's nine off the top of my head nine truth bombs yeah. right out of those truth bombs like obviously no problem no sale right so we know that if there's no problem there's no sale but yep. out of, from the other nine, which are the ones that, from your perspective, are they, you know, absolutely key that we need to, as sales professionals, be doing every single time so that we can close more deals? Dude, all of them. And that's why they're in here. They're yep. called truth bombs because I couldn't take one out. Okay. Right? All of them. Like, if you, let's just pick anyone, pick anyone, and I'll tell you what happens if you take it out. I love all sales are about change. Okay, that's an absolute fact. Yep. Absolute fact, right? Look, as a matter of fact, that's how I wrote, that's the, the cornerstone of gap selling because what I recognized is that at the very, very, very core of selling, is change or, or, or buying. When yeah. I decide that I want a new car, what am I doing? Yeah, you're buying You're buying change, man. You've, you've, there's something that's motivated you that's, in, that's, that's yeah, driving you. Yeah, but I'm changing. You. Correct, I'm changing you're changing, to man. a new car, yep. right? If I want a new, um, what you talk about, your education services. If I buy, if I choose to buy, I'm changing from where I was to somewhere else. See how that works? Absolutely, I'm man. literally changing. You, I, I challenge you, anybody listening, give me one thing that someone could do in a sale where they're not changing. Mm. The only one, so when every, one person gave me one, I gave him credits, uh, I mean, kudos and credits. I was like, oh, that was good. <laughs> the only sale that anybody has ever been able to tell me that doesn't involve change is renewals. You're selling them on not changing. <laughs> yeah. That's it. And I don't even call that a sale, but I'll go with it, right? Yeah. Everything else is a change. So if you don't understand that sales about change, you can't sell. Mm. Period. You're dead in the water. And so this, you know what, the core of everything we do, that component of change, the identifying what you say, the gap of current to future state and the impact that that can have is what differentiates sales professional from just an, everyone else. Yes, hands down. Right. And so yep. I want to, because this is for me, like I go, I often, when a business says, oh man, we need to close more deals, it's... I very rarely have I found that it's a closing deal problem. It's either that, you know, they're prospecting to potentially the wrong profile and so forth, and therefore they've get, you know, having conversations with people that just don't fit their customer, like don't fit their um their product fit or uh or they um there's no discovery. 
So within the pipe, when you look back and you look at the deals and go, man, there's no discovery here. So it's just, it's, it's, it, it's not a closing problem. It's either a prospecting or discovery piece. And so- It's not a closing problem, dude. It's not a closing problem. It's an opening problem. Yes. Yes. So opening problem. So can we go back to the start of this? So look, again, with so much, be- you know, with so much discussion now around salespeople being more active, they need to be more active on social, uh, create the narrative and et cetera. How do we how do we effectively open when we're engaging with somebody if we don't necessarily know what the problem is? You have to you, you should always assume you don't know what the problem is. Yep. Always. I never go in knowing what the problem is. Look, I use this metaphor a lot, and I maybe I should come up with different ones when I'm on different podcasts. I don't bore people to hear the same one. <laughs> but it's such a good one, right? Look, if I'm a marriage counselor, right? I know what problems exist in a marriage. What I don't know is which problems you're having. And more importantly, and everybody pay close attention, I don't know the impact those problems are having. Mm. Right? But I know as a marriage therapist or counselor, I know what problems exist in bad marriages. So if you're selling any product, any product in the world, and you don't know what the problems are, that somebody should be having that your product or service solves, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like you're not even doing your job. Yeah. Right? I mean, like it's like a marriage service says, I have no idea what problems um, married couples could have, but I'll help fix them. How the hell can you fix them if you don't know what they are? Right? So what I say to people is, if you, you got to understand what problems your product or service solves and that you know that if anybody has these problems that you can fix them, once you know what those are, you go on a fishing expedition. Yeah. And you start asking questions to understand or uncover if they have those problems. So in a marriage, you could say, look, let's say one of the, the issues is um, um, communication, right? We know communication is a big problem in marriages, right? Yeah. Inability to communicate. So you can start asking questions like, hey, do you feel comfortable telling your wife or your spouse how you feel? Let me say, when's the last time you told your wife you're up, or your spouse you're upset with her? When's the last time you told your husband slash spouse that um, um, that you love them, right? When's the last time you two were able to sit down and share your feelings without breaking out into a fight? So if I ask any any one of those five questions, I'll be able to understand if they have a communication problem, won't yeah, I? Yeah, absolutely. I never had to ask them, hey, do you have a communication problem with your spouse? Mm. Did I? And that's what salespeople do. Like, I talk to salespeople who think they're fucking awesome. Like, oh, I asked all those questions. What do you ask me? Well, I'll ask them if they have a problem. No, that's stupid. You don't know how to find out if they're a problem without them telling you they have a problem. That's the skill. I can actually find out if someone has a problem without actually asking them if a problem exists. That's the skill. So what we, what we, this is really interesting because what we're going into is that, you know, that discovery piece, which for me, I, I believe the discovery piece is, is, is what drives a, a potential outcome. And now I can't move forward. I can't, I can't advocate them to change or advocate a solution if I haven't conducted the right discovery process. And what I loved hearing about those questions that you were asking, they're not just current state questions, but you're, you're, you're delving into the past. You know, tell me about when. It's going back a step before coming to the past because the problem doesn't just occur today. But it's something that's been potentially brewing over time. That's a great point. And that enables us to then understand, you know, well, we've got some stuff happening in the past. 
that's impacting what's happening today. And, I'm, and then we're going to ask questions about what that future state looks like. And I want to know, like, because when you, you know, in, in the gap in defining the future state and the importance of this it has in the sales process, these questions that you've come up with, they're not just off-cuff questions, are they? So there's, there's stuff that you've, you pre-prepare based on your customer profile so that you've given some thought around the type of questions you're going to ask. Is that correct? No, no. Okay. I tell people, I want you to focus on the type of problems you want to find. Okay. Right? So here, let's, I'm going to, I don't know how this is going to go, Luigi, but we'll see. <laughs> you obviously, you have a car, right? Yep. If I tell you that my car isn't working and it won't start, are you going to make a list of questions or what do you think, what, what information do you want to find? Well, we need to figure out why the car doesn't start. Okay, so what are the three or four or five reasons the car wouldn't start? Oh, man, it could be flat battery. Um, might be out of petrol. You know, um, I'm, I'm not big on, like, I don't know the intricacies of cars, man. It could be. Okay, so you I got don't... two of them right there. Yep. You got two of them, and I'll give you another one, the alternator. Alternator, yeah. yeah. And I'll give you another one, a starter. Yep. Okay, so there are four. So right there, there are four issues that I know, as someone who has a car, why it doesn't start. So I'm not going to ask if his car starts. I'm going to ask about those four issues yep. to see if it's one of those. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm like, when's the last time you replaced your starter? Have you checked the battery connection? Is it the battery? Did you leave your, your lights on all night? Um, oh, your battery works great, great. Have, when's the last time you replaced your alternator? What sound does it make when you turn the key? Um, uh, what, did you have gas in when you got home last night? Does it look like there's gas underneath that it could be leaking? See what I'm doing? Yeah, absolutely. I, you can't. I can't script those questions, but because I fucking know something about the problem, I can ask a million questions around the problem to identify it. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and that gives me credibility with the client or the prospect because like, damn, this cat knows, like, these are great questions. Yeah. Because I know, I'm, I'm not focused on my question. I'm focused on the information that I want to go get. I'm information-led. They're information-led questions, not pre-scripted questions. Mm. And that's a mindset. I watch people all the time go down the question route, and when they run out of questions, they're fucked. Yeah. yeah I've heard you talk about this before, man, about the scripting, and you know, this is why you don't like scripts, because it's essentially, you know, the process isn't linear. And um, But can I, I want to ask, because when we look at the way tech businesses and SaaS-based businesses have set up, they set their sales team up with the SDRs that book appointment, you know, they're, they're stimulating the outreach. Like what you've spoken about, there's got to be a level of expertise. There's got to be a level of um, understanding of that problem and the impact those problems are having so you know which type of questions to ask. You know, when you're in there, you've got to ask questions about that particular problem. Yes. So train your, stop spending the first two weeks of training your team on the stupid product and train them on the issues, problems, and, and challenges okay. the people you sell to have. Then go train them on the problem on the product. Yep. So this is where you're seeing SDRs, the SDR model going, you know, a little bit off track. Is they're focusing on the product, actually everything about the business product, but not about the actual problems the product helps solve. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. And when we've got someone, because I, I've, and the, the reason why this is front of my man, because I spent some time with some awesome SDRs this week. And that's where we took it. We, we I had to take the conversation to, to down to that problem component, you know, and we're thinking about that customer. Um, but if you're, you know, if you're a business that's predominantly been doing that, 
and we've got to retrain because a lot of these guys in SD, you know, a lot of these SDRs are young, man. They're not like you know senior or, or mid. You know they haven't been around a long time. So you know what are some things that we can give them to enable them to be you know pick the pick. The it's pick. all right and kept yeah, selling, okay. dog. Create a pick chart. Yep. So the problem Create impacts the root cause. Yep. Give them the pick chart. Make sure they understand all the problems. Quiz them on the impact of those problems. Quiz them on the root cause of those problems. Tell them to go read magazines in the space and see if any of those problems or impacts are actually happening or discussed. Tell them to run searches, right? Tell them to run, imagine, um, uh, give, me, give me a problem that your company or product solves. My personally? We yeah, sell. We help convert. We help um, businesses that has have a conversion problem with inbound leads. That's a particular conversion problem. problem with inbound leads. Yep. Okay. So then, what's the impact of that? Right. Um. Low conversion rates and oh, uh, poor sales growth. Yep. Have them go re- run a Google search. Low sales sales growth based on poor lead conversion and see how many articles come up and fucking read them all. Yeah. And so what you know what what I love what you're saying, man, is. The sales skill, as important as it is, there's a mindset focus that is, in, you know, is absolutely critical to align with this. Is that, you know, I have to be industry. I have to understand the industry I'm playing. I have to understand my customers. You know, that pick that you talk about. I love that man. The problem impact root cause, right? Um, yes. And so that's a mindset thing. That's not something I'm not going to show up and I'm just going to, you know, I've got to actually develop my understanding of the industry that I'm selling into, that I'm helping. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, man. Yes. This is, you know, this is, there's a lot of truths in this, this, man. I've been interviewing a lot of high-performing salespeople from different industries, right? And the elite, you know, people that are consistently exceeding target every month. And what I've found and what I'm loving is that the sales skills, it's not the major part of what makes them so successful. It's the, the way they plan their day. It's the way they... Um, they really understand, and this is what's awesome, they understand the problems they help their customers solve. Yes. Right? And there's, you know, they're critical thinkers, they're problem solvers, they're actually, they can think on their feet, man, right? Um, and so this is what, what what's so interesting about what you're saying, and I'm going to keep reinforcing this, and I think there's a really good blog to be written after this, is, is the fact that there's stuff within our control that we can get better at that doesn't actually focus on the sales skills like reading blogs about an industry that's not a sales skill man that's just you know get, having a bit of um, empathy and understanding of the industry that I'm trying to I'm trying to work with well you know what I agree with you but let you know let's change the way the world looks I would argue it wasn't considered a sales skill you know 5 10 15 20 years ago but I say it, it, it's always been a sales skill it's just been an unrecognized sales skill Okay. Right? Yeah. Because look, again, selling is about change, right? Yeah. If I have to get you to change, there's uncertainty and discomfort about change, correct? Yep. Who helps us the most when it comes to uncertainty and changing? Who helps us? Who makes us feel the best? About change? Yes. Well, if I'm, you know, if I've got to, I've got, personally, as, as an individual making that decision, I've got to feel good about that decision. And yeah, I know, but who the, helps us make feel good? Make, who helps us feel best about making the decision? Oh, the person that's helping us through the process. But no, there could be six people helping us through the process. Which person makes us feel the best? Tell me, man. The one who knows the most. Yeah, okay. 
Hello? The yep. person who knows the most about my situation, the solution, the problems, the, the root cause, the person who can educate me, looks at me and says, this is why it's happening. This is what you got to be careful about when you make the switch. These are what your options are. This is the best way to make the change. This is the best way to implement. Watch out for these mistakes. Don't do this if you go this direction. The person who has the most information wins, dog. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. So when we say, oh, I've never looked at, you know, understanding all this business stuff as a sales skill, it absolutely fucking is a sales skill because if your job is to influence change and you don't come to the table as the smartest person with the most information, you are not as equipped to make the change or help them feel comfortable about the change. Man, this is this this is awesome, man. Like I'm really, you know, off for the. I've been thinking about this a lot, man. I've put a lot of thought, a lot of time and effort thinking about this, and and I've just seen another. Like you're right, that commercial acumen, that understanding of, you know, that that is a competency that needs to be added into the skill set of a of a high, you know of a sales professional. Um, yes, it needs to be table stakes. Like people don't. It needs to be understood. That's what makes them great, and we yeah. have to empower them. We got to find. We got to embed this into the into the criteria of good salespeople. We don't do it, and then we understand. We don't understand why it don't work. Yeah, I mean, so you know, if if the whole premise is understanding that 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 problem and understanding the customer and the industry, etc., you know, how how from that future state perspective and that change that we're going. You know what are what are some of the non-negotiables that we've got to do to help that customer? You know, a define what that change is, and b know the how how that impact's going to help them achieve that objective. We have to ask the right questions to get them to see it. Yep. Like you know, one of the best compliments I ever got, even before I wrote the book, I've had a, a I would say a good portion of my clients on the consulting side say I'm a therapist, like Keena, I feel like I'm going to see my therapist. Because what I do is in the, after they hired me, which is the same thing I do when they sell, I ask questions in a way that gets them to discover their issues themselves. I don't have to tell them what the problem is. Sometimes I do, but other times I don't have to. Going back to that married example, it's like, hey, when's the last time you told, you told your spouse you loved him? When's the last time you were able to tell them how you feel? When's the last time that you um, told them that uh, you really appreciated all the work they've done? Is, has your spouse told you in the past that they really like it when you acknowledge them? Why haven't you acknowledged them in the, in, in the past? Okay, well, what, did you, what, did you, what behavior did you expect from them, him or her, because you didn't do that? What do you think is going to happen if you don't in the future? Yeah, and I yeah. just keep asking questions. And next you're like, oh, I'm all fucked up. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And you help them realize that you know, there's an unrecognized couple of needs there that they've got to actually start yes. to, to put something together. What, for how it. long has this been going on? Oh, seven, eight years. What about the kids? You know, yeah. how, how much time do you guys spend one-on-one? What happens if you don't get this fixed? Yeah. We get divorced. Are you okay getting divorced? No, I don't want to be. Do you still love your spouse? Yes, very much. So, yeah. so what happens if you get divorced? Who gets the kids? Well, probably my spouse because I travel for 80% of the time, which means I wouldn't get my kids that much. Well, how does that make you feel only have your kids every other weekend? Holy shit, no way. I love my kids too much. Yeah. Well, there's the fucking impact. So yeah. if I'm selling them anything, I'm saying, you're okay. If you aren't willing to learn how to communicate with your ex, if you're not willing to do this, if you're not willing to do this, that's what's going to happen. Is that what you want to happen? Mm. That's, that's sales, dog, right absolutely, there. Absolutely, man. I didn't tell them anything. Yeah. 
So we're, we're, you know, we're facilitating thought, man. We're, we're provoking yes. thought. We're facilitating thought. And we're getting him to actually consider the impact of not doing something and the impact of doing something. And yes. then providing him with a vehicle and a platform to say, okay, if, this is, if you're committed to this change, because this is another thing that I find is it's once, it's, it's once we all help the customer identify what that change is. And sometimes the customer is not committed to change, man. You know, they actually they, they don't want to go through the pain of changing. Um, yeah, no, look, we see it all the time. Yeah, and I think you th you said you know customers. The myth is customers don't like change, but you say customers like change when they feel it's worth the cost. I think I think the, the something around that that nature that you've expressed in your book, right? Yep. So so can I ask, right? You see this every day. You see the point of you know um, salespeople making that outreach, doing the discovery, and you know essentially getting customers to commit. In your opinion, where is the biggest you know, the biggest challenge salespeople are having that's impacting their ability to convert more deals. Say that again. So from the, you know, if we look at the whole sales process, what part is breaking down that, in your opinion, that stops them from converting more? The discovery. So it's a discovery. Down, the open. That's why yeah. I said, I don't want, don't, I don't want, it's not about the open. It's about, it's not about the close. It's about it's the about, open. Okay. It's about the open. No, fantastic, man. And mate, I'd love to understand what makes a high-performing sales professional so good, in your opinion? Their ability to understand the, um, the future state, the, the current state, and the gap, and be able to assess that in terms of the value to the customer as it relates to pricing, uh, implementation. You know, here's a good example, right? That's why a lot of people don't don't do the uh, uh, have a hard time losing weight, right? It it's it's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of work yeah. for the outcome, right? And so they 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 just can't pay the price, if you will, mm. right? They can't pay the price. The price isn't the price of the gym membership. The the gym membership only gives you access to make it quote unquote easier, right? Yeah. Or access to the things that'll do it. The price is your time and your pain. And most people won't pay the price, even though they could die, even though they're out of shape, even though they're insecure, even though like the way they look in a bathing suit, even though they can't walk upstairs, right? There's yeah. a million current impacts, but the price is just too high for many people, mm. right? And so there's the same thing in, in regular selling is if you can't, the best, best, best salespeople are able to create an environment where the buyer purely understands the the scope of their situation, current state, future state, and the gap, and and recognize the value that it's worth the change. Yep, it's worth the change. Yeah, that's gold, man. Yep. Sales, science, or an art? Both. Okay, do you expand on that for us, man? The art is the ability to think on your feet and as the information is coming into you, your ability to process it extremely quickly, assess what it means, understand the relationship components, understand the adjacencies and know either which question to ask next, ask next, understand that that's the moment that you need to challenge them, understand that's a moment to concede a point. Like it, it's, it's, it's like even like, it's like a football player, right? Anybody who can talk to play football. I played for oof, 10 years, 11 years, something like that, right? Um, I guess it felt like it was probably nine. I think when I decided <laughs> that 10 finished when I was 19. But those nine years felt like the last 20. But anyway, yeah. um, right. Uh, anybody who can talk to do things, but it's, 
the art comes in in the pieces that those who make it to the NFL nine out of ten times or those who make it to the Olympic teams or those who make it to the U.S. Opens in tennis have. And it's an innate talent that allows them to capitalize on the skills they're taught and take them to the next level, right? Yeah. I can teach you all day long how to ask the right question. What I can't – here's a perfect example of describing it. So um, what I can't teach you to do is to connect dots on the fly, right, with, with what we call contextual information or contextual knowledge that you have that I wouldn't know you have. Yeah. So, for example, um, if you know this or don't know this, the Olympics is coming up in um, – in 2022, the Winter Olympics in 2022 in Beijing, China, right? Yep. I was with a client who um, had, a, had a particular targeted client that wanted some help around marketing around skis. And as they were describing the situation to me, I was asking all the questions and I was like, well, why don't they consider the Olympics? And that person would be, well, why would they consider the Olympics? And I'm like, because the Olympics are going to be in China. And they're like, okay, so what? And I'm like, China's the largest market in the world, and they are building all of these ski resorts in order to put on the best show in the Winter Olympics. Do you not think that could be the first domino in a completely um, burgeoning, growing Chinese skiing market because their upper middle class is growing? Now they have all these mountains, and none of them actually did it before. Like, oh, that's a good point. I can't teach people to think like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Can't do that. Can't do that. Yeah. But that, you know what? But that's where, and then, so that's where the, that's where the craft, that's where the, that's where the art is, right? That's where the art is. Yep. I can't, that cannot be taught. Yeah. Fantastic, man. You can get it after the fact. I can tell you, I mean, I told him he got it and he knew what to do with it. Yeah. But he didn't, he, he couldn't, he was not going to connect those dots on his own. It was mm. not going to happen. Which is interesting, right? Because there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of, I've read some great books around the, you know, playbook methodologies and, um, you know, you know, scripting every aspect of the customer interaction process. And so, you know, this, this is sort of going, well, we can't, you know, we can't script all that stuff because there's some stuff you just can't script. There's the intuition, nope. intuition piece that you talk about. Um, that's part yep. of that, that, that craft, man. So thanks so much for sharing that with us. In your career, man, biggest influence in your sales career and why? I guess it would be Larry Bossy Ram Charn's book, Execution. Execution. Okay. And why, why, do you mind me asking why sort of that uh, had such a profound impact on you? Yeah. So I was, a, so it's not a sales book. It's yeah. an execution book. And when yeah. I was younger, I, I, and even now, but I was always full of ideas, man. I had a million ideas. Oh, we could do this. Oh, we could do this. Oh, we should do this. Oh, check this out. I got this idea for this. I got this idea for that. <laughs> yeah. I had a bazillion fucking ideas. Getting, learning how to execute on, execute on them and understanding how execution works and understanding how do I get this done? Execution walks you through that. And it's very specific in the how. And um, I think that changed my mindset for my entire life and started having me look at things not from my perspective but from the execution the end result perspective right so it took me from the start which is oh let's build a fort let's let's buy a new car let's start a new business and i'm looking at it from the beginning and then yeah. i get into it and try to step through it until i hit a wall that forced me to go to the end and work my way back and by, so combining that thinking with all the other skills i already had that were natural selling skills it took me from hey buy my product to who wait what do you want to do 
Yeah. Where do you want to go? What are you trying to accomplish? How do you think you can get that done? And then I put push that through a sales filter. And that basically, in many ways, is, is the gap selling concept. It's not mm. about me. It's about you. It's about your desired outcome, the end goal. Yeah. So I got to work my way all the way back. Where are we today? Where could we be in the future? Et cetera. Great. And that's from, is that from Lawrence Bossidy? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Lawrence so Bossidy and Ram Sharon. Uh -huh. Okay. Awesome. Cool. We'll put that in the show notes for everyone. Well, mate, I, I've, look, I think I've shared this with you before, man. Like, I, I, I've, I've appreciated your content, um, your books, and uh, the way that you get the message out. It's authentic. It's real. Like you said, man, some people don't like it, but, you know, there's a lot of people in the world, and uh, it's okay if some people don't like the message you put out, right? So I just want to say, man, I appreciate what you've done for our, for our industry, for our community. You've made me a better salesperson as a result of Gap Selling and the content you've produced. So I want to say thank you, man. Um, but before we let you go, are you able to tell our listeners where they can connect with you, find you, and then we'll put that all that in the show notes? Uh, yeah, they can just go to a salesguide.com or gapselling.com and you'll find me. Yeah. And even today, I think you had one of your uh, half, half yearly emails go out um, today with, with, a, with, a, with a couple of cool messages. So you, you blog a lot, you, you, you send a lot of content out. So we'll, we'll, we'll get you on sales, um, the salesguide.com, man. So, mate, I hope you know you've enjoyed today. I really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your theory about gap selling and, and some tips that will help people close more deals. Thank you, baby. No worries, man. I had fun. What can I say? Keenan, he brought it. And did he bring it? Now, for those of you that haven't read his book, you know, the action you need to take from this is go buy his book. As I keep saying, training without application is simply entertainment. And look, Keenan can entertain you, but buying his book and reading some of the concepts that he talks about in his book and applying those concepts will make you a better sales professional immediately. Or if you don't like to read, jump on Audible and listen. But what I like about that message is if you could hear from Keenan was his passion, his passion and his, his determination to help a customer achieve something better and focused on the problem, impact and root cause. So my challenge to you this week is what are you doing to help your customers identify a problem? What are you doing to identify and get them to recognize the impact that problems is having on them? And what are you doing so that you can help your customers achieve a better state? So you can be the best sales professional you can be.